When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Turf Show Times, the podcast. I'm Kenneth Arthur, and with me every week for the preview show, J.B. Scott. And this week, it is the Rams and the Broncos on Christmas, and neither team has much of anything to play for. I mean, they're in a very similar position. The Rams obviously won the Super Bowl last year and had high expectations. The Broncos didn't do anything much of last year but did add Russell Wilson and had much higher expectations they're both at the bottom of the pile they both don't have their first round picks to show for it they both traded for quarterbacks who won't be playing in this game so we get Baker Mayfield oh no we will get Russell Wilson who didn't make the uh, last game with uh, Brett Rippon so at least uh, the Broncos get their uh, Christmas Christmas quarterback but it's going to be Baker Mayfield for the Los Angeles Rams. And JB, what are we getting hyped for this week without being able to get hyped for the playoffs that the Rams have officially, not that we needed to uh, get there, but officially been eliminated? Well, you know, there's still a lot of primetime games, and that's always exciting for your team. You know, the Rams are one of only three games on Christmas Day, and it's a matchup of two defenses that have been really stellar, despite their offense letting them down at every turn this season. You know, the Rams and Broncos really have not got any momentum going for any, you know, continuous stretch on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, it features Patrick Sertan and Jalen Ramsey, a matchup of two really great corners, uh, you know, probably top three in their position, both of them are. So uh, there you can take, you can get excited about that. And, you know, the good thing for the Rams is that they can probably make in- incremental improvements and they have the right guy in Sean McVay to turn this around in only a, a year. But, you know, the Broncos really have, you know, more long-term problems. Maybe they have to figure out if Nathaniel Hackett is the right guy to lead them into the future. Uh, you know, where do they go with Russell Wilson and that supporting cast? So at least the Rams seem to be able to bounce back quicker. I'm not sure if that's the case for the Broncos. It's interesting, you know, because I yeah, I wonder what a Broncos fan would have to say about that and their opportunities next year. And I'm not exactly, I don't have it all in front of me who their free agents are. Maybe we can take a look at that here. But it is definitely, uh, you know, the Broncos did get a first round pick back for the Miami Dolphins. So they did make a, a deadline trade with Bradley Chubb. So they got a little bit of uh, something to invest in next year as a first-round pick, not the top-five pick that they may end up with, as the Rams will, with that going over to the Seattle Seahawks and the Rams going over to the Lions. Both of those teams are 7-7. and Both of these teams are 4-10. and Um, Very interesting kind of switches there between the Lions, the Seahawks, the Rams, the Broncos. And, you know, uh, it is something where the the Rams – they can be sort of good again, but we're not going to see most of those players for the rest of the season, these last three games. Um, we have a 130 
Christmas Day game. And then they say that the uh, next game is on Sunday Night Football against the Chargers. But I don't think anybody wants to see that or will probably see that once maybe there's a playoff. There, I looked at this Week 17 schedule. It's not very pretty in general. But, you know, uh, the, the, the NFL isn't seeming to get its wish of uh, a, a New Year's Day game um, at SoFi Stadium between the two L.A. teams, as far as I can tell. Uh, and so another interesting wrinkle to this game would be Broncos defensive coordinator Ijiro Aviro, longtime assistant under Sean McVay. He's got a top five defense. The Rams have a bottom five offense. Are you worried about being able to score any points this week? Yeah, I mean, I have that concern almost every single week. So uh, it's definitely a trend that's continuing now. And, you know, the Packers defense really did a good job against this Rams offense. And despite this offensive line playing pretty well the last couple of weeks, you know, really giving John Wolford time to operate against the Seahawks. And, you know, Max Crosby wrecks every single team he plays against. And Rob Havenstein had a rough day on Thursday night against the Raiders. But, you know, everyone else seemed to hold up just well enough. But, you know, it all came loose against the Packers. And it's not like they have, you know, really vaunted pass rush either. Uh, Rashawn Gary's out for the season for them. You're going up against guys like Preston Smith and, you know, a rookie edge defender opposite him. So uh, I'm really surprised that this, you know, Tainaseki played well, I thought. Uh, you know, some Elde Abouche, I thought, played well, at least in the run game. So I was a little surprised they fell apart like they did. Baker Mayfield took five sacks. And, you know, this Broncos pass rush, they might not be household names after trading Bradley Chubb, but they can still get after it. Brandon Browning was a guy who used to play in the middle of the defense. He's transitioned to edge, and he's been really stellar. You know, they have, you know, Nick Bonito, the rookie edge defender. He's been, you know, flashy at times. So you have your work cut out for you. You lost Brian Allen, your starting center for the rest of the season. Coleman Shelton's going to be manning that in the middle from now on. And those guards are just between Abushi. And Matt Skira, it's an eyesore to watch them play. And, you know, they're significant liabilities. Uh, so you really hope for Tainaseki to have a strong game. You hope Rob Havenstein bounces back after a rough game on Monday night. And we'll see how this plays out. But the degree difficulty is extremely high for Baker Mayfield. It's almost like you can't even give him a fair evaluation at this point. You know, you mentioned, uh, yeah, those uh, offensive linemen that were not expected to come anywhere near starting for the Rams. I mean, we're not even talking about backups. We're talking about players who weren't on the team, considered for the team, on any team in uh, September, August. And I did some projections on Wednesday on TurfShowTimes.com for anyone to go check it out. That, well, if uh, the Rams just bring back the players who are currently on the roster how would that offensive line look? Would it be good enough? You know, the uh, there are several parts to the offensive line that won a Super Bowl and uh, were big parts of that, like Rob Havenstein and Brian Allen. And we haven't had great good seasons out of them. But, you know, there were also a lot of guys who were on the 2019 and then and the 2020 offensive lines, especially 2019 being bad. And those guys were able to rebound from knowing that's like, when you don't have the five guys or, you know, sometimes you can get away with losing one. Sometimes you get to get away with losing two. But when you're losing three, now Rob Havenstein's jobs changes dramatically from his expectations uh, previous to that or Brian Allen's. And uh, if you're changing the center every week, you know, that's a huge problem. So I'm thinking about it. And I'm looking at it. And I'm saying, well, we we didn't really get to see Joseph Noteboom for for very long. You know, I, you know, I would hate to judge anybody off of four or five games. 
Um, and we did have four years before that, but he was stuck behind Andrew Whitworth. And when he came in for Whitworth, it was fine. There was a reason that the Rams re-signed him. And there is this possibility that you don't cut Joseph Noteboom or trade Joseph Noteboom for cap savings. And, or, you you know, I know you're a fan of A.J. Jackson, but in either case, you know, you can have a left tackle next year without having to go out and get somebody who should be passable, fine, if not maybe good. Um, and then you've got options at guard if you don't re-sign David Edwards. You've got Coleman Shelton, Logan Bruss, um, maybe, I don't know, Chandler Brewer, Tremaine Ancrum. It's just crazy. Again, like, I, it's hard not to forget about Tremaine Ancrum given – uh, how how he was not supposed to start, and then he was the savior for a minute where he thought, okay, at least there's a guy that's been around for a while, and then he went on IR. So you've got those guys. Then you've got the Brian Allen decision uh, and Rob Havenstein, you know, over 30, getting up there in years and uh, veteran pay. So I put out these projected offensive lines knowing – that I would expect the Rams to bring in a, a new name or two just to say like, well, what's the baseline here? What, what do we do without adding anyone? Because also, you know, Sean McVay doesn't really add veteran offensive linemen, not since going back to 2017, maybe the off chance you, you go out and you make a trade for a guy like Austin Corbett when you're buying low and you don't know what he's going to be, but the Browns had given up on him after only one year, and he worked out pretty good um, without bringing anyone else in. What are your thoughts on bringing back Joseph Nopum and Brian Allen and having an offensive line with Coleman Shelton and Rob Havenstein that isn't too dissimilar to then the plan that started out this year? Well, first of all, you made a really good point about Rob Havenstein. It's If it's the guy that's been good every single year, and he's been around the Rams for a long time, his entire career, and really his only down year prior to this this season was 2019 where he dealt with some significant injuries. So whenever he's struggling and it's kind of a one-off, you have to look who he's playing next to. And it's been a re- revolving door, right? And maybe he's pr- trying to, he has to overcome some, you know, detriment and some liabilities next to him. And that's really taking him out of position and taking him out of his comfort zone. So I think we're going to look back and think and believe this season is an outlier for him. And I, you should have confidence in him moving forward. And, you know, it's not really the Rams MO to make heavy investments in the offensive line during the offseason and we go in you know all these down years 2019 and going into 2020 uh you know this is going to be another one where we expect the Rams to draft a lot of linemen bring in free agents and they just never do and then afterwards are scratching our head like well they must be pretty confident in the room that they have and some of these depth pieces and I think that's what you're going to see again this year and you know David Edwards is someone the Rams left guard this year his season ended early because of concussions uh, he's a free agent, and maybe that lowers his price tag. I'm not. Maybe his career's over. There's really no telling. But uh, maybe he was kind of playing his way out of Los Angeles the last few years, and maybe he's a guy that you can retain, and that could be a, a development, a positive sign coming out of a really down year. But uh, yeah, Brian Allen and Joseph Nopum are big concerns, not just because of their performance on the field, but because of health reasons mostly. And we lose sight of how tough this Rams schedule was at the beginning of the year in terms of the edge rushers you were facing. You know, his first game as the Rams starting left tackle against Von Miller. And, you know, I think he had a little bit to play for in that game, right? He had some incentives to make the Rams look silly uh, after they just won the Super Bowl together. It was a Thursday night opening game, uh, a lot of hype. And, you know, he, Von Miller really came through in that situation and, you know, had multiple sacks on note boom. So, and then you have Arnold Albuquerque in week two. You're playing, you know, Joe's or Nick Boza and the 49ers twice, I think, before his season ended with injury. So uh, that's, uh, 
that's a tough schedule. And I think we've kind of lost sight of that where, you know, maybe you give him the benefit of the doubt because he really had played well in Andrew Whitworth's absence up to that point. Uh, Brian Allen's a different story where, yeah, he's been good when he's been on the field. We know he's a great communicator in the middle of that offensive line. And that's one of the best attributes a center can have. But you, know, you go back to 2019, his first year as a starter, uh, it ended, you know, more than less than halfway through the season. Uh, 2022, he's had a hard time staying on the field. Even in 2021 with COVID and other and other like nagging injuries, he's missed some time and Colton, Coleman Shelton had to step in. So I, I just don't know how you trust him as the starter in 2023. I'm not sure any alternatives are really better. Coleman Shelton, I know he's a big fan favorite, but he's really struggled at times this year. Uh, moving him from week to week constantly probably doesn't help that. And he really needs to settle in and play a single position maybe. But uh, I think that's maybe the biggest question mark on this Rams offensive line. It's uh, it's always kind of, uh, there are always surprises with, yeah, with those depth pieces for Sean McVay where you say like, oh, didn't we, uh, and we, the royal we of fans, didn't we give up on that guy already? Didn't we already hate that guy after uh, one week of training, his very first training camp, and we thought that that would never work out? You know, whether it's Brian Allen, which, you know, sometimes it can be a Brian Allen and he gives you, you know, some good starts uh, and then some poor starts. And then sometimes it's uh, Jameel Demby or or Bobby Evans and he never gives you anything uh, of value on Sundays. Um, but then it just never worked. You know, Austin Corbett, I thought he was pretty good. You know, we don't really know a lot of these guys where because they just got hurt too fast. Uh, speaking of. You know, and I'm looking at, you mentioned David Edwards. I was looking at uh, just sort of what are the costs of a starting left guard who's not a, a rookie on a rookie contract or whatever. And it's not too prohibitive unless you're a pro bowler, you know. So unless you're one of these guys like Joel Batonio or Joe Tooney or Lakin Tomlinson, uh, you're not going to make maybe more than $5 million. I don't know per year. I don't know exactly where the league sees David Edwards, but you're right without being able to play this year. Um, and just sort of not putting out like, yeah, all pro tape or anything like that. Um, probably an affordable guy. And just, we know that Sean McVay doesn't, you know, he, he seems to need a lot of time, uh, for a guy to get used to it, unless he's going to go out there and sign someone like, a John Sullivan in 2017 or an Andrew Whitworth in 2017 guys who were like, Hey, we're really good football players with a ton of experience. Um, and, you know, eventually we'll get into who the free agents are, you know, speaking of, I mentioned, yeah, just like who are the Broncos free agents next year and what their outlook could be for 2023 here. They are at four and 10 thinking that they were going to be at least a playoff team. Um, but really one of the worst offenses in the NFL, Russell Wilson has played horribly, but also similar to Rob Havenstein hasn't had a lot of help. Hasn't, you know, hasn't had the guys that he expected to have. And uh, in his case, didn't have the coaching probably that a lot of uh, Broncos fans wanted to see Denver have um, looking at their free agents there next year, though, if we're talking about a Christmas Christmas wish list uh, for the LA Rams, or maybe a, a, a Chris, a Lesmus wish miss, you could say uh, for the free agents out there. I'm not seeing a ton of exciting players coming off of Denver's roster and the ones that are good, you would think that they could, highlight as their free agent targets before they ever hit free agency. The only name that uh, really stands out to me 
for anybody's sake, but maybe even for the Rams' sakes, would be defensive tackle Draymond Jones, uh, who's 26 years old, and he's going to be a first-time free agent. Um, but then you're looking at Tom Compton, who's a, a very veteran guard, Eric Tomlinson, a very veteran backup tight end, Alex Singleton, a linebacker who's going to be 30, and then Billy Turner, right tackle, who's you know had kind of an up-and-down career, and he's also 32 Kareem Jackson, the safety, former cornerback, who's 35, and they're just getting younger next year, basically. Cam Fleming, 31, um, but maybe one guy, and I don't really know where he stands in terms of his development and the, the, the career that he's had so far through four years, uh, but guard Dalton Risner, uh, who is Denver's Walter Payton Man of the Year candidate this year, for whatever that's worth, uh, is also going to be a free agent. Um, I think he's had sort of a up and down season in terms of on the field. Any of those names stand out to you in terms of if you could steal a free agent off of Denver's roster? Yeah, Dalton Reisner out of Kansas State, uh, former second round pick, I believe. Uh, he's been, you know, he's did struggle, I think, a little bit early on. Uh, you know, but who didn't on that offense whenever they had Drew Locke and then, you know, Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater last year? Um, you know, and he, maybe he's also playing next to a left tackle that isn't the most consistent player of all time, even though he's rebounded in a big way, right? So, you know, someone who used to draw penalty flags at a at a high rate. So, you know, I think Reiser would be someone I'd be excited about. I'd assume the Rams are probably going to be priced out in that regard, just because you know Reiser's probably in that Pro Bowl type as a former second round pick, probably more towards the top of that guard market. And you know, maybe if you could, if you have to pay six million dollars for him, you can get David Edwards for you know four four and a half or something, maybe that cost benefit analysis is going to point you towards someone you have the in-house scope on and understanding of David Edwards. So yeah, I mean, but you're not losing a ton of skill players. If you're the Broncos, you're returning. If you want to return these wide receivers, you pretty much can. You're really only losing these veterans on the offensive line, which to be honest, you probably need to upgrade anyways, especially as Russell Wilson becomes less mobile and less agile. Uh, at this stage in his career. So something to think about, but um, I don't know that if you're a bad offense and you're looking for to get over the hump, maybe you scope out another bad offense's um, roster to improve. But, you know, Draymond Jones would be an interesting addition as a defensive end. I think, you know, he was a trade target that people wanted maybe from the Broncos at the deadline, but, you know, Bradley Chubb was the one that moved instead. So, yeah, I think that's an uh, riser uh, and Jones, I think are interesting additions potentially. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And I don't know what the uh, Rams have in the budget. And, you know, whenever they do, you know, if they have any cap space that they're going to put out there on a player who's not anywhere on the roster already, typically it seems to go to a superstar, a Bobby Wagner, a Jalen Ramsey, a Matthew Stafford, someone who they can add and pay a lot of money to. I don't know if I, I, you know, maybe an Sean Robinson would be a guy who's kind of in that mid-level where the Rams go out there and get him a one-year contract for Leonard Floyd prior to the extension for him, which still blows my mind. You know, speaking of that and Lesmus, you know, thinking of the 
first of all, general manager talk, you know, George Patton of the Broncos. I hate to judge somebody only as I hate to judge a general manager who's only had less than two years on the job, but these this Broncos team just seems to be getting worse and worse. Um, And I look at their, their roster. And as I said before, they're old. Russell Wilson's going to be 35 next year. They traded two firsts, two seconds. Um, You know, the veteran players who they gave up, Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, uh, Noah Fant, they're kind of whatever, not really that big of losses, I don't think, but maybe at least could have helped this team that's terrible, I suppose. And then you just sort of look at Randy Gregory, some of their offseason moves. This is just like I said, an old team that is paying a lot of money to guys over 30. And I wonder if they have any opportunity to turn it around next year, if they're going to be a interesting team to watch this Sunday. I mean, first of all, do you just think that the Broncos could, do you think the Broncos could embarrass the Rams? I mean, on Sunday, just based on the fact that the Rams are not bringing a lot of their respected star players uh, to the field for the rest of the season. The Broncos are at least putting out the players who they wanted to have. And if the Rams lose this game, starting, you know, Baker Mayfield, who just got here and, and we saw last week and really the week before just how, erratic that offense is going to be for the Rams if they lose to the Broncos I mean that is kind of embarrassing in itself but if they lose by 10 14 21 points really bad are you worried about that well I think it's certainly possible and yeah I would be a little bit worried just because you're going up against a really great defense that can get pressure force turnovers and that's how it could get ugly really fast but you know even when the Rams were starting Bryce Perkins and you're playing at at the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium and it was extremely loud you didn't get blown out at that point so you know I have a hard time seeing this you know team not trying to stay competitive not trying to keep it close and you have so many guys who are on the bottom of this roster that are fighting to be a part of this team in 2023 I think that really gives me an encouragement that you know they're going to try to keep it close they're going to try to win this game especially when it's their final home game of the year so uh, certainly there's a potential that there's going to be a blowout but I'd like to see them fight close and also, you know, either offense might not score a lot of points. So it could be a snooze fest too. And uh, what would be, you know, again, it's, it's early on in his uh, career and I don't know how closely you've paid attention. What would be kind of your grade or your evaluation for Broncos general manager, George Patton? Well, that this defense is as talented as any around the league. And that's even after trading someone like Bradley Chubb, uh, I think maybe you mismanaged the quarterback situation a year ago in your first year. At least you didn't make a very sizable investment and, you know, to use up a lot of cap space, use up a draft pick for someone who wasn't going to be a permanent solution. But you thought you found your permanent solution when you traded for Russell Wilson. And I don't, I don't know that I'm ready to shut the book on that trade. You know, whenever you look at their skill players and maybe they're not who we thought they were. And I'm talking about Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton and all those guys. I think KJ Hamler's an interesting piece. Maybe someone that, you know, Tutu Atwell can model his career after, or we'll see if what kind of uh, role they carve out in the NFL. But yeah, they have to find skill players on offense. I think if you look at maybe the Lions and you look at the Packers, you can kind of take solace in the fact that you can rebuild a wide receiver room pretty quickly in the NFL these days, just because these, these wide receivers come into the league ready to play from day one. And maybe you have a veteran that can, you know, be dependable and reliable and help move the chains. And then you find these big play threats, a receiver, you can, you know, in the top 10 spots or in the first round at all, Jefferson Jefferson or your um, 
like Jamar Chases of the world that can come in and be an alpha male from day one. Uh, I think the Broncos should, you know, take solace in that. And you can turn this around quickly. And Russell Wilson might be able to take a big step forward and, you know, take his career out of, you know, borderline retirement at this point. And I'll, you know, I'll, I'll give you a compliment as well, because I look at the uh, Broncos 2022 rookie class. Seems like some pretty good picks already. Uh, outside linebacker, pass rusher Nick Benito, you know, it's just a rookie and he's coming along, you know, it's probably a slower development, but I think shown some things here. Cause as you said, the defense is top notch tight end, Greg Dulcich. I mean, it would be great for the Rams to have a player like that. He was drafted before, even though he went 80th, he was drafted before the Rams made a pick. Uh, and it would be great to have someone like Greg Dulcich, um, in the pipeline behind Tyler Higby instead of what the Rams currently have. Um, cornerback Damari Mathis has started the last eight or nine games as a rookie for a good defense. Uh, Montrell Washington has been a star returner, kind of, or a very good returner for the Broncos. And as a fifth round pick, a guy who can play for you on special teams and has potential as a receiver is certainly exciting. So, you know, maybe George Patton has made some uh, good picks here in the draft. Last year, you've got Patrick Sertan, obviously a home run. Javante Williams, the running back, we haven't gotten to see a lot of, uh, and he is on injured reserve, but he was exciting when he was healthy and all the broken tackle numbers are there. Quinn Miners, I think, has been one of their better offensive linemen this year. Uh, Baron Browning, the linebacker, safety Caden Stearns. Uh, So, yeah, I think that even a seventh-round pick like Jonathan Cooper, a pass rusher there, um, or a defensive end, pretty good job there in the draft. So, that's interesting and maybe something I uh, hadn't considered. Are you going to be looking out for any of those young players this weekend? Yeah, Benito is a guy that really flashes from time to time. Uh, definitely a pass rush specialist. You can get after him in the run game, but maybe the Rams aren't the kind of team to take advantage of that. So, you know, there's some uh, very good young players in the secondary too. Stearns, as you mentioned, uh, is a good coverage safety. And, you know, they also have, you know, other guys back there that can really get the job done too, especially playing next to Patrick Sertan, who is the next version of Jalen Ramsey likely. So, uh, yeah, this defense is tough. And, you know, the Rams certainly have the work cut out for them against an offensive line that continues to lose key players, continues to, you know, have be a revolving type door. And it could be hard to watch. I'm just uh, very curious to see if and when the Rams start to make their earlier draft picks, you know, and, and whether or not the Rams – you know, could have a top 35 pick, which is, you know, the highest expectations you can have uh, for a Rams draft pick. If they stay there, if they trade up, if they, you know, just try and refocus on a scouting department that's trying to build the team through the draft. And if they keep their 2024 first round pick and, and the ones in the future, I wouldn't put it past, you know, less need, obviously, to make a trade with those future first round picks again, you know, and thinking, well, if, if Matthew Stafford's returning, if Aaron Donald's returning, if Sean McVay's returning, um, if Cooper Cup is returning, you know, all these guys we expect uh, to come back probably for another year. Um, and then we'll see about, you know, Jalen Ramsey, he's probably returning Bobby Wagner and thinking, Hey, this is still the time to strike, you know, it's going to continue to be the time to strike. And if there's a, a guy out there who's maybe under 28 years old and considered one of the better players at his position, and it's a position of need, I wouldn't be too shocked to see less need say, we're going to continue to do this. We won the Super Bowl last year and we were 
hit by a tornado of injuries, unlike most teams have ever seen in history. So we're not going to take these lumps as a sign of the plans not working. As I wrote this week as well, you know, the Rams have won a ton of games under Sean McVay. This wasn't a one season swing. I don't get that. You know, I don't understand how people can be so, but like have such short memories. It's like you don't win the Super Bowl every year. No team wins the Super Bowl every year. But if you're competitive and you remain competitive, then you're doing the right thing. And so if you're doing that, how can you not say the Rams didn't do the right thing in 2017, 2018, 2020, and 2021? And even in 2019, they were a winning team. And then you look at this year, it's just sort of an outlier. It's hard to judge anything that the Rams have done this year when you're playing Matt Skura and Ode Abushi. And Ty Niseki. I mean, I have to learn these names in the middle of the year because they weren't on the team. So it's very interesting to consider it that way. And so I don't see this as a, well, they pushed all in for one year. They had a really good team, as a lot of teams think that they do, just like the Broncos thought that they did. Now, that would be a disaster, being 5-11 and 11 a couple of years ago, 7-10 and 10 last year, and then whatever the Broncos are going to be this year, 5-12. and 12. You know, so it's like, that's a disaster. When you pushed all in, you had no reason to. The Rams pushed all in and they won the Super Bowl. Then they've had a bad year. Next year, they could be right back at it. So I wouldn't put it past Les Need to say, you know, we're going to have to look and see who are the guys that might be traded first round picks. Probably going to be some more wide receivers out there because the draft class at wide receiver doesn't seem to be as strong as it has been the last few years. And because the free agent class at wide receiver isn't as strong. So you had those surprise trades of A.J. Brown and Tyreek Hill last year. I think we're going to see something like that again next season. So I'm curious to see where the Rams will stand in there because I don't know if you can rely on Allen Robinson to be that number two like you did the year before. But if you find a way to get another guy who's going to have a better track record, let's say, like if they had traded for Tyreek Hill, you know, then you'd be thinking, wow, the Rams did pretty good there. So it's just kind of interesting to see where that goes. Uh, What are your thoughts on the Rams trading another part of the future to get better next year immediately with a veteran, someone of a a Jalen Ramsey um, caliber type player at another position who might be costly, but would bring, because we know the rumors about Brian Burns and Christian McCaffrey at the trading deadline, how crazy it would have been if the Rams traded for Christian McCaffrey this year because he wouldn't have helped at all um, and would have given up all that for McCaffrey but if they had gotten Brian Burns at least then you go like okay that's a long-term move so what are your thoughts on that and what's your grade sort of here for yeah the the job that Les Snead did this year is it really bad or is it just you know this is the product of a, of a really bad injury luck yeah I think if you're going to make a trade in the offseason and one thing I'm going to watch is what do the Rams do with Leonard Floyd? Is he, you know, he suffered an injury in the beginning of the year. And a lot of, at the time, the Rams thought it might've been season ending and really been rounding into form. Uh, I, I don't know if we can attribute it hundred percent to the injury. He has been an off and on streaky type player uh, his entire time in Los Angeles. So maybe he's playing himself into a job next year. Maybe the Rams have already decided they're going to move on. I don't know how it's going to shake out. I don't have a feel for that move at all, but you're going to have to, you know, acquire at least one edge rusher. Michael Hoyt, he had two exciting games. He's really come down to earth, shown that, you know, he's probably a better story than a better football player at this point. So at best, he's a role player, uh, situational contributor next year. So you need at least one edge rusher. If you move on from Floyd, you need two. 
and those are extremely expensive and hard to find players. Most teams are lucky if they have one good edge rusher, let alone two. So uh, I think one guy I'm keeping my eye on, Brian Burns, of course, would be great. Uh, The Rams should have made that trade at the deadline because he can be a building block for the future of this team. Uh, They're smart if they make the trade next year, as long as the price isn't outrageous. But even if it is, we find a generational type player. I don't really care. Uh, I'm going to bring up Jonathan Grenard with the Texans again, a former third round pick. Uh, didn't do much as a rookie, but really came on strong as one of the most efficient pass rushers in the entire NFL in his second year. Third year was cut short because of injuries, you know, both nagging type injuries that kept him off the field or minimized his production. And then he had a season ending injury too. So I think that, you know, his stock is probably at an all time low. And if you can find uh, a plus Ed Rusher and Burns, and then maybe you get a, give up a fourth, fifth rounder, another third rounder, maybe in the future for Grenard, you could really have a formidable pass rush especially with Aaron Donald on the inside, Hoyt as a role-type situational pass rusher too. So I think I'm interested to see what, how Leslie shops at the edge rusher position, how he finds two outside linebackers and really unlocks uh, this, this defense so you don't have to keep on blitzing. You don't have to send Bobby Wagner up the middle or Jalen Ramsey off the edge at corner because that's really when this defense gets burned, whenever they blitz. And you, know, you saw it against Aaron Rodgers on, on Monday night too. And uh, would you say – rapid fire um leonard floyd absolutely not back next year no i don't have a feel for it at all maybe you i'd like to hear your guess but i am completely 50 50 on this one yeah you know i don't know that the cap savings are so dramatic right that you guarantee that he's not going to be back even though i think if the cap savings were even twice as much, you know, it would be worth it. Or, you know, if the Rams do decide to make him a post June one cut, because right now Leonard Floyd, if you cut him just straight out, it's $3 million in savings, $19 million in dead money. If you cut him at with a June one designation, it's six and a half million in dead money, 15 and a half million in cap savings. Sounds really nice. You know, people go, I know at least I'm going to draw back on to before I learned the truth, you know, maybe like the first three or four years of me looking into salary cap savings and playing with all the numbers on overthecap.com and thinking to myself, oh, wow, well, why not just do the post June 1st? Well, because now you're pushing more dead money into the future. It's not, there is no savings. It's just more immediate savings and then more dead money the next year. And it's like, well, the Rams, how much longer are they going to, you know, use the credit card. You don't want to end up in a situation like the New Orleans Saints who just continuously use the credit card and, you know, haven't been to the Super Bowl since 2009. And, you know, and I don't know, for a team as good as the Saints have been at drafting and doing a lot of the right moves, clearly something has pulled them back. uh, And they've had great coaching. They've had so many things working for them. And it's like, so the Rams can still be talented if they don't, you know, sort of take their lumps here and figure it out and, and sort of like be like, we need to have one really this good, you know, this is unfortunately not the year you say have one really bad year with the cap and, and then just try and be back to a healthy number the following year and so on. And so you could just eat that one year of Leonard Floyd. We've seen the Rams extend Todd Gurley, extend Jared Goff, extend Brandon Cooks uh, and so on. And then, 
cut those players before or right after those contract extensions had even kicked in, eat a ton of dead money and just live with it. So there's no way to to really rule out that the Rams are going to really care that Leonard Floyd has $19 million in dead money, you know, that you've got those weeks where Leonard Floyd, yeah, he gets two sacks or whatever, but what about every three out of four weeks where he doesn't do anything? And it's like, he does other things. I'm sure, you know, we know that he's a good run defender. We know that he's a veteran who knows the, the defense. We know that he's, you know, going to probably be a better option than you know some of these other guys who the Rams would be able to bring in uh who are probably not going to have that sort of same ceiling to have at least a good game every few weeks and it's like you're going to go what you're just going to go to Jonah Williams or whatever it's like there is that difference there but man I just don't know how Leonard Floyd got the reputation of a guy who's being paid with a 22 million dollar cap hit next year when those guys are typically just dominant forces week after week as pass rushers. And to me, I don't really understand why the Rams committed so much money to him after that one season where almost all of his sacks came against Russell Wilson, the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. So that would, to me was so shocking. And I guess we're going to get Leonard Floyd versus Russell Wilson again this week. Um, but that to me was where I was like, I, don't, I just don't get it. So I, I agree with you that, that I just I don't it's a hard one to predict because I couldn't have predicted where they went with Leonard Floyd in the past, you know, and the worst thing that they could do would be to restructure Leonard Floyd, because, again, it's like, oh, look, the restructure, you could save up to eleven million dollars right away just by restructuring him. Well, then you can't cut Leonard Floyd in 2024 and you're going to have a 32 year old edge rusher who's kind of not much of an edge rusher. So. That to me is where it's like a very, uh, it's a difficult situation to evaluate from the outside looking in and just thinking like, whatever's going on in those meetings and in the locker room and off the field must be really good because I don't know how you interpreted Leonard Floyd as a $22 million per year player. What are your thoughts? Well, he's cut from an elite cloth, you know, a former top 10 draft pick. And there's only so many edge rushers that have that athletic profile. And that's why they're so hard to come by. That's why whenever they're on the market, they become extremely expensive and it takes trading a first rounder to get one or it takes these splash free agent deals. Like we saw what you know aging Von Miller got on the open market this year from the Buffalo Bills, where you know the Rams were willing to fully guarantee almost two years and the Bills fully guaranteed three. And that was really the difference in what that one boiled down to. So these guys fly off the market on day one before the free agency window really even opens because there's a tampering period. Uh, they go in the top 10 of the draft and. Other than that, everyone else is just kind of, you know, 90% the same. They're all average. And, you know, Leonard Floyd has the profile. He's a more of a flashy than a consistent type player. And I'd, I'd give him the benefit of the doubt to a certain extent with this nagging injury. We don't know the extent of it. But also, the Rams got zero production from the guys playing opposite of him. Uh, Justin Hollins and Terrell Lewis end up, they're off the team at this point because they were so disappointing. So, you know, we've seen whenever Von Miller was there, at what like you have the pressure taken off of you because you have Aaron Donald Miller and even before that uh you know the guys have played well opposite Floyd uh than what we've seen this year so there was zero happening on that other edge and he's a good run defender he has some inside outside versatility too he, the Rams haven't made the most of it but they did in his time in Chicago so uh, he's probably a good player 
he's not a pass rush specialist by any means, but he's an elite athlete. And whenever you have these scrambling quarterbacks to Kyler Murray's to Trey Lance's in your division, Geno Smith, even to a certain extent, uh, it's good to have those players who can help keep contained too. Yeah, great points, you know, and uh, like I said, yeah, I agree that it's going to be difficult to just replace Leonard Floyd um, like that. So, you know, that's, that's one thing to look at. It's just, you know, where do the Rams go next season from here? Um, If you assume Donald Ramsey cup Stafford Floyd return uh, can't really do anything with Allen Robinson unless you just, yeah, you eat that money or you find it a remarkably uh, silly trade partner um, and where they go from here. You know, the other thing here, you know, Leonard Floyd's been one of the few players that's out there every week, Bobby Wagner, Jalen Ramsey, mostly just pointing to guys on defense. Can't really point to anybody on offense. I posed this question on Twitter. JB, who is your Rams MVP this year? I think it has to be Bobby Wagner just because Ramsey's been so up and down. And, you know, there's a perfect example against the Packers where really struggled in pass coverage through the pass interference flags. And, you know, they could have went either way. Like, it's really just you have to give the refs the benefit of the doubt because they threw the flag. They saw what they saw. Uh, but he was really good in run defense. I think he had a 93 uh, run defense grade from PFF. So that's as good as you'll ever see, especially from a corner. So he's an extremely physical player, but really you saw that, you know, up and down this on display against the Packers. And that's how it's been all season. Gave up a lot of touchdowns, gave up a big plays. The guy who's been the middle of the defense and so reliable is Bobby Wagner really had two great games leading up to the Packers game. And then came back down to earth where the Packers are doing a good, a great job when you only have to worry about great gains on the defensive line, using their linemen to get to the second level very quickly. And they washed Wagner and Ernest Jones out of the game so fast. And you saw that, especially on the goal line where you you had a guard or a tight end on him almost immediately. And they had no chance of stopping those plays on the goal line. So uh, definitely came back down to earth, but he's been, you know, the only area where he really struggles at this point, Wagner is pass coverage, but he's been an excellent run defender. And that's been the silver lining of this team the entire season. Absolutely. You know, and uh, that was a move that I think a lot of people were a little confused by, you know, just because you lose a Von Miller, you add a Bobby Wagner, doesn't quite track the inside linebacker position has never been one that Sean McVay and Les Snead have valued super high. So you're just going like, well, why Bobby Wagner? And now we can see this is why Bobby Wagner. But unfortunate that his good season and his you know paying off as a free agent isn't coinciding with everybody else so that's the unfortunate part and yeah he just rises to the top as the MVP for the Rams 2022 season what he doesn't get is a Pro Bowl nod only one Ram making the Pro Bowl this year Aaron Donald didn't even have to play in you know what was it 10 games uh to get that honor uh but or yeah, probably played in what 12 games in any case, definitely deserving. And, you know, one of the all time remark, we don't see guys ever get nine pro bowls in their first nine years. It's a very short list of Jim Brown and Joe Thomas and Barry Sanders. And you're talking about a guy who absolutely belongs. If you had a hall of fame, I think with only 20 guys in it, I think Aaron Donald would be there, which is just, that's tens of thousands of professional football players that we're talking about boiled down to this one guy who just 
continuously dominated and not just dominated, but dominated in a unique way that we had never seen before from the defensive tackle position, an elite player um, that just even now, you know, we could see is still that he's still got that Aaron Donaldness to him. Um, no official word about Aaron Donald's future and no official, really, we don't know what's going to happen there. Um, <clears throat> but it is something to really admire, just like this guy who continuously did things that you just want to go like, how do we, how do we replicate that again? How do we find guys who have the Aaron Donald um, work ethic and commitment to their bodies and uh, to doing these things? And obviously that's what makes him so special is that those guys just don't exist. You can't find them uh, very often even even 70% of whatever Aaron Donald is. Um, thoughts on Aaron Donald, and did you think anybody here was snubbed from the Pro Bowl? Yeah, I guess on the Pro Bowl, the last time I paid attention to it as someone who follows the Rams was like 2017, I guess. And if you're really getting excited by that or following it closely, it's probably a sign you're a fan of a losing team because if you're in the playoffs, it's the last thing on your mind at this point. So it's a sign of where the Rams have really fallen to this year, because I haven't thought about it for the better part of four to five years. So I think that's something that just dawned on me. I think that's kind of interesting, but yeah, Aaron Donald's excellence. He's such a unique player at the defensive tackle spot that it almost makes him hard to compare to some of these other defensive greats, the Lawrence Taylors, the mean Joe greens. Uh, he's probably a top five all-time defensive player. I mean, I believe maybe top three even, right. But because he plays such a position that that production doesn't traditionally come from it almost makes it hard to make the argument to vault him up into the top and uh, if he retired this year and walked away I I definitely think that he is a generational player someone who's you know one of the best to ever step on the field as a defensive as a someone who's on the defensive side of the ball but you know another playoff run another championship would really elevate him to where you know it's only a conversation between the top one or two like a Peyton Manning Tom Brady discussion And, you know, hopefully we see that from him and he doesn't walk away because, you know, this season has been, you know, so distasteful, right, that you really just want to run it back and see what this team's capable of, see if they can contend in 2023. And uh, that's what I'm really hoping for. And we'll see how that shakes out moving forward. JB, what would you like? uh, Why don't you kick us off here with uh, we're at the end of the year. We've seen some uh, some really bad football. Haven't seen a lot of good football. I mean, it would be great to even say like, oh, the Rams are four and 10, but those four wins, man, they looked so good. That wasn't even really the case. Um, and then many of those 10 losses, it was like, ah, when can we turn this off? Uh, but still, you know, maybe in our naughty and nice list for the uh, Christmas season, we're not going to have a very long nice list, but why don't you kick us off there? Sure. I guess I'll start with naughty first. And one of the people I've been most, uh, disappointed by this season on an individual level is Tyler Higby, where, you know, he should be one of your building block type players. He hasn't been injured very often this year. He's, you know, when you've lost almost everyone else, uh, he and Rob Havenstein are really the only people left on the field. So he didn't score his first touchdown until last week against the Packers. Where's he been? And uh, you just expect more out of him. I understand the revolving door at quarterback uh, probably works against his favor, but uh, you just, is he part of the Rams plans moving forward? Uh, if you moved on, I don't think I would really be disappointed at all. 
Yeah, I, I, do, I, you know, I wrote earlier in the in the season that the Rams fans, the the Rams and Rams fans, you know, get used to Tyler Higby because not because Tyler Higby is necessarily good or that that's the guy that you want out there. Where do you go? You know, Bryson Hopkins, Jacob Harris, Kendall Blanton. No matter what the Rams do, you know, this is uh, going to go to to one of my naughty picks here, but like. What do the Rams do without Tyler Higby? They go out and they get, they, can, they would just have to go get another guy who's probably going to be just as inconsistent and underwhelming as Tyler Higby until they finally find a guy in the draft or whatever who is going to find, who's going to play that role. Because I, I just don't get it. You know, you've got Sean McVay, who was a tight ends coach in Washington. And I know that just because it's your positional, you know, where you started out, it's not necessarily maybe what you're going to do well. At. I don't know who Washington's, you know, star tight end was at any point, you know, after uh, I'm thinking of, I'm trying to think of the guy's name and now Gordon Reed, maybe. I mean, even before that, I'm trying to think of, there was a guy on Chris Cooley, exactly. Well, that was probably predated, you know, Sean McVay. I, I don't really, Logan Paulson. I, I mean, I don't know exactly who to get excited for there, but it's just like Sean McVay, where are you put these investments? Where are they? Where, where are the guys? Because Bryson Hopkins, it's not like Bryson Hopkins, Bryson Hopkins, unlike Jacob Harris was not a project. His he had a whole life, just like Van Jefferson, in an NFL family, learning all the, the, the intricacies and of the specific position and doing all that, played for four years or whatever at Purdue, and there was no project there. And we're at the end of his third season. He can't even sniff the field. It's so shocking to me that the Rams could be that far off at the tight end position. And, you know, Tyler Higby, for all of that – we could criticize credit him for coming in as a rookie handling the position starting right away and manning it for six years somehow you know that it's the blocking it's probably the knowing the playbook all this kind of stuff but holy moly what a disaster the tight end position has been throughout McVay's career uh with the Rams other than the fact that you know sometimes Tyler Higby is good so that to me is where it's like you just kind of have to get used to Tyler Higby because I don't where else do they turn? You know, that's another way where I brought up Greg Dulcich, where it's like, man, if you had Greg Dulcich, there'd be something here because he's got almost 400 yards for the Broncos and he's a rookie out of UCLA who, you know, it wasn't considered a very good tight end class. But I, I don't know. I mean, how would you feel if the Rams went tight end with their first pick? Because, you know, maybe you could be talking about, I don't want, you know, I hate to do the thing where you go like, oh, let me just name the one tight end or the one guy at the position who you're aware of. But uh, uh, I'm aware of Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame. And it's like, oh, wow. Well, if he fell into the 20s, maybe the Rams would go like, okay, well, instead of a instead of getting another receiver, because we like maybe Van Jefferson and Tutu Atwell to go along with Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson next year. Maybe you go and you get Michael Mayer. So what are your thoughts on uh, the Rams going tight end in the draft? Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I that name was on the tip of my tongue as well. And maybe the TJ Hawkinson draft pick for the Lions and then moving him to Minnesota. Uh, you're supposed to be, if you're going to draft a tight end in the top 10, and this includes Kyle Pitts, right? They need to be a game-changing talent. And those guys haven't been for their teams, at least so far that maybe that 
that is detrimental to Michael Mayer's draft stock. And maybe he goes in the late twenties or maybe he's there at 35 or whatever the Rams pick this year, because, you know, you don't really see that value from the tight end, especially in the first couple of years, it takes, you know, some time for them to really develop because it's a hard position to play and you're going to be blocking defensive ends. These are the most elite athletes on the entire NFL roster. Uh, You're going to be asked to, you know, run routes and maybe you haven't had to do that in college and you're going to be doing it one play and doing something else the next. And that's just make, it makes the degree of difficulty extremely high for that position. So uh, this guy is seems to be one of the best tight ends to come out in recent years outside maybe Pitts, even though he's a wide receiver tight end hybrid. So if the Rams can find him and he could be your tight end for the next 10 to 15 years, I think that'd be exciting. Maybe a Heath Miller type of talent. So um, yeah, I would be all for it. And yeah, mm-hmm. you're not going to get it out of Bryson Hopkins. Unfortunately, I mean, again, like I wouldn't have criticized, I don't think I did criticize and I wouldn't have criticized Bryson Hopkins as a draft pick at the time. But here we are three years later and it's like, wow, there was there was really nothing. I mean, he's been cut. Right. And then he came back and it's just like there's really nothing there. And the Jacob Harris pick much easier to criticize, uh, even though even though I don't really criticize it either, because you're just going like, hey. We work with him a couple years later. Maybe you got something here, and maybe he will still have something out of his career. Um, but it's not going to be as a tight end, which never really was the case. You know, he said no option, very little chance that he was ever going to become a tight end. But the thought there, the thought process was like, um, maybe he'll be like a Dan Arnold or something like that. And it's just like, okay. Um, and I'm thinking about also my, uh, naughty first naughty list name would not be a name at all but just the rams college scouting department i don't know what is going on you know at the end of the day if you don't have first round picks i'm giving you a lot of slack and so i'm giving the rams a lot of slack i know that they don't have these top 10 so much easier to say like oh the broncos had a good draft look they got patrick sertan well, yeah, the Rams could have had Patrick Sertan if they were drafting ninth overall. You know, it's like, oh, they got even a Javante Williams. Yeah, the Rams could have had a Javante Williams if they were drafting 35th overall. They don't even pick in the top 50. So even giving them a lot of slack, I think you can't say, well, you're picking 10 times a year. And so out of 10 times a year, I think I should be able to look at a class three years later and go, there's one starter there's a really important role player. There's a special team stud. So that means that I should be able to look at back at 2020 and feel really good about the Rams draft class with a few solid players, maybe even a couple guys that get extensions, which is really what general managers are thinking about. How can I draft guys that are worth a second contract? Well, then I'm looking at 2020, Cam Akers. I mean, he just had a good game, but this was a guy that was desperately you know you we that he was off the team so you got cam Akers, you got van jefferson really underwhelming compared to the expectations that people have for second round wide receivers these days because now you're talking about a guy that was in the draft range of a dk metcalf a debo samuel a terry mclaurin you know and van jefferson is just a guy to me he's a he could be a valuable player on the rams as a number three or four receiver but it didn't have that sort of, I don't know, he's not going to get like that second contract unless something really surprising happens. Terrell Lewis, cut. Terrell Burgess, cut. Bryson Hopkins, cut. Jordan Fuller, disappeared. Clay Johnston didn't make the team. Slam, slam Sam Sloman, uh, you know, this is seventh round picks. Tremaine Ancrum, seventh round pick, that's fine. 
but your 2020 class brought nothing. Your 2019 class, you know, you've got maybe Greg Gaines getting a second contract. Maybe David Long's been a disaster. Daryl Henderson's cut. Taylor Rapp's been a disaster. Bobby Evans has been a disaster. Nick Nick Scott's been a good value for the seventh round. David Edwards has been a good value for the fifth round. But second contracts, totally up open, we don't know. And then 2021, Tutu Atwell finally getting some sort of taste of Tutu Atwell, but we don't know where this is going to go. Ernest Jones is fine. Bobby Brown's not on the team practically. Robert Rochelle can't play. Jacob Harris can't play. Ernest Brown just made his debut. Jake Funk, Ben Skoranek just hit IR, Chris Garrett. So for me, whatever's going on in scouting, it's wrong. It's not working. It's the it's it's really hurting the fact that the Rams don't have depth pieces here, JB. Yeah, and I think, you know, despite them not working out, I would make the Jacob Harris, the Robert Rochelle, and the Terrell Lewis picks 99 times out of 100 because you're going out after elite-level athletes. And for every, you know, Robert Rochelle, you're going to find a Tariq Woolen, perhaps. And, you know, those guys are just always worth rolling the dice on, even though it hasn't worked out for the Rams. But, you know, you mentioned Nick's or Greg Gaines. I thought maybe someone on my nice list is Nick Scott, and I'm going to keep it holly and jolly because – you're putting a whole uh, division of people on the naughty list. I think you might be Krampus instead of Santa Claus, but uh, on my next list, I have Nick Scott, who the Rams haven't historically invested in safeties that have expiring contracts. He might be the first one to be able to buck that trend uh, instead of the John Johnsons and the Rodney McLeods and the and everyone else that the Rams have let walk in free agency. He might be able to buck the trend and get a new contract with this team. I think, you know, he's a good coverage safety. He's perfectly willing to lay the wood and make hits that, you know, sometimes jar the ball loose and sometimes force fumbles. So we've seen him do it to Debo Samuel and many others over the last couple of seasons. And, you know, as a former seventh round pick, someone who entered the league, especially expecting to be a special teams type ace, uh, he's developed into a starting safety in the NFL. And uh, whenever you talk about all these draft picks that have failed, he might be the one that uh, overcame those odds. And, you know, you, you bring up Tariq Wollin, um, and it's like, okay, look, I'm going to be a real big jerk right now. Okay. So anyone out there listening, uh, whoever you are, I already, I'm calling myself out before you do. Right. But you mentioned Tariq Woolen, fifth round pick 153rd overall at 142nd overall, the Rams selected Kobe Durant. So you had these, this, this incredible athlete idea here, the, the same kind of guys that Les need was looking at, you know, GPS speed just not even a guy that needed to have a good college career, you know, but the Rams select Kobe Durant. They didn't just take a Kobe Durant over Tariq Woolen. You know, we're talking about the very next pick, the Titans select tight end Chagosian McConquo, who is coming on very strong lately. You've got the 151st pick, the Falcons selected Tyler Algier, the running back out of BYU. He's almost at 800 rushing yards this year. Um, And then, who did the Rams select uh, 10 picks after Tariq Woolen, a running back, Kyron Williams. And we'll, and we'll see about Kyron Williams. But, you know, these are where I'm just like kind of scratching my head. And I know I'm being a jerk. Uh, even if you go at the end of the fifth round, the Packers select Kingsley Anagbury, who is coming on pretty strong lately. These were also names that I knew ahead of about ahead of the draft, which means that they must have been good because if I know about them, they must have something going for them. Um, so that kind of surprises me. Six-round pick. The Lions select Malcolm Rodriguez, linebacker. Stud. Day three pick. Who's running the Lions? Brad Holmes. You know, I, I'm just thinking about how I'm just 
a little shocked and disappointed that, you know, these are things that the Rams could have done and, and they didn't. Uh, any of those names stand out to you? Yeah, Rodriguez is an interesting one, even though, you know, he might not be an elite level athlete, but, you know, Tariq Woolen over, or instead of, or, you know, the Rams take Kobe Durant over Tariq Woolen, maybe you're less likely to make that decision a year after taking Robert Rochelle, who's kind of in the same mold as Tariq Woolen, except one was a, a, like a jackpot pick and the other one can't even get on the field. So maybe, you know, having him on the roster, you don't want to have two of those guys. And that applies, you know, across the field. But you, know, you took Jacob Harris in the fourth round. That's a pretty high pick. And, you know, Tyreek Hill was kind of in the same boat where he was a fifth rounder. But how do you not put that athletic talent on the field? And the Chiefs found ways to use him. He started out as a gadget player and, you know, became one of the best deep threats and best overall receivers in the NFL. There's no player like him. So uh, that's what you have to do on in those later rounds is just find these elite athletes that can turn into uh, good football players because, you know, the guys who get drafted in the first round are elite talents athletically and they're good football players. And when you get in later stages, you can either get a limited athlete that's a good football player or a great athlete that's uh, maybe not pretty raw. Maybe they're new to football new to their position or they haven't really found their niche yet. So that's what you're looking at. And I think I know which way I'd side over the other. Yeah. And I'll give you another one more name out there for the people, how interesting, you know, again, it would have been heavily criticized, but if somehow the Rams had even just come out of this draft with uh, the punter, Jordan Stout, who went to the Ravens, obviously the best place for any special team were to go. Um, even that would have been at least, hey, you got a you got a career punter, franchise punter here, something, some guy. You know, Riley Dixon's not doing that great. So it's like, oh, you got a Jordan Stout. Speaking of doing that great, uh, before we get out of here, let's hit the nice list. What are your names there? What is a name there? Yeah, I think you have to be encouraged by what Tutu Atwell's done this year, because at the beginning of the year, he couldn't even get on the field and he was a healthy and active uh, at certain parts. So uh, maybe whenever Cooper Cup's back healthy, you have Allen Robinson, you have Van Jefferson. Tutu Atwell can be a rotational piece and really open up things for everyone else. Or even if he's good for a 50-yard target, whether it might be a 50-50 proposition, whether he actually catches that ball, but at least it spreads out the defense and everyone knows where he's going when he's on the field. Seems like he's becoming more of a short and intermediate type threat. Those jet sweeps that Sean McVay is giving to him are extremely predictable, and it's only hurting his cause, really. So, you know, give Sean McVay an offseason to find out the best way to leverage his talent. But I think he's a good football player, and it's more on the coaching staff of why he is on the field or why there isn't a plan for him at this point. Yeah, I, you know, I defended Tutu Atwell throughout his rookie year, and then uh, even halfway through this year, I'm like, well... I just, it's not even, there's just nothing to even defend just because there, there's no opportunity. There's no chances here. There's they give me an opportunity here to at least talk about him. And, and so then I started to lose faith and now we're getting something out of here. You know, Tutu still needs to get a lot of reps uh, and hopefully he gets those next year, the preseason, more opportunities to just like be a wide receiver. So that's one thing to look out for. I'm going to shout out Matt Gay, since uh, joining the Rams in the middle of the 2020 season, which he was Sean McVay's fifth option that year after Sloman, Hijralalu, McGinnis, and Forbath. Finally, you get a guy, Matt Gay, after this last game against the Packers, hitting a 55-yarder in frigid temperatures. Matt Gay is 67 of 73 on field goals with the Rams. Three of those six misses were beyond 50 yards. Um, and he did miss an extra point this week, but that's understandable. He was, he is still 87 of 89 on extra points. 
He does kickoffs. He's everything that the Rams could have hoped for um, when they were looking for a kicker in 2020. And he's an upgrade to Greg Zerline from where Greg Zerline was at for sure at that point in his career. Um, and he may even be as good as Greg Zerline um, when it's all said and done. So very good situation there for the kicker. Um, and hopefully the Rams have more to give the kicker next year around on offense and defense and coaching and everywhere else. Um, so We'll start to see it this Sunday, Christmas Day, against the Denver Broncos. JB, final thought. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, it's still a primetime game. The Rams are going to be the only game on TV, so take solace in that and close out the year so far on a strong note because the next week you're going to be at home, but it's it's technically not a home game for you. It's for the crosstown rival Los Angeles Chargers, and that's going to be an emotionally charged game, I think, whether it's on primetime or it gets flexed somewhere else. but. Uh, I'd like to see Jalen Ramsey, Bobby Wagner against Justin Herbert, and uh, that should be pretty exciting no matter what. And, uh, yeah, there's 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 still things to watch for these last few games, and, and we'll see what happens with the Rams. And, you know, might as well shoot for 7-10. and 10. You know, <laughs> if the Rams finished 7-10, and 10, it looks a lot different than 4-13, uh, and 13, of course. Um, and the Denver Broncos, they've given every team they've faced an opportunity to win a game this year. So why not uh, the Rams? And then you've got the showdown with Los Angeles. Um, and there are still chances here, yeah, to get a couple wins and, and we'll see what happens. So stay tuned for more Turf Show Times, the podcast. Hit subscribe. Find us on Spotify, iTunes, whatever you use for a podcast. And we'll be back with more podcast, last minute thoughts, instant reaction, all that here on Turf Show Times, the podcast.